You're listening to nothing but the best of internet marketing talk, and you're listening to the David Conley Show. And here's your host, David Conley. Hello, my little beauties. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Welcome to the David Connolly Show coming at you from DCRadioNetwork.com. DCRadioNetwork.com. This is the show where we interview the best internet marketing gurus in the universe. I'm David Connolly, but of course I just work here. Don't look at me, I only work here. I'm just back from London, folks, London and England, and I have to tell, is there another London? I don't know. But I have to tell you, folks, what a fantastic place London is. If you haven't been to London and you are in the business of being in business, then let me just tell you, you've got to check London out. It is the most friendly, happy, entrepreneurial, forward-thinking, networking haven in the universe, in my opinion. Do you know the very first time I went to London, I was standing in a queue in a shop, and uh, this guy behind me, you know, he was all suited up, I guess he must have been in some kind of business, and he just asked me, so, you know, what do you do for a living, and I ended up chatting to this guy. Folks, within two minutes, he was running out to his car and coming back in with a check, and he was like, that whack, here you go, I want to hire you. That's the kind of thing that happens when you go to London, people. When you go to London, comma, people, if you know what I'm saying. When you go to London. Honestly, it was such a great time. I I know that I have one or two of my London clients who may actually be listening to this. So, folks, thank you so much, you know. I was over there. We had a couple of meetings. I had a couple of hot meals. And I'm just feeling good. Um, I'm sorry about the echo today. I have a new floor in here. It's a wooden floor, you know, a floor you stand on. (laughs) Um, Nothing technical. And it makes the place look nice, but it's very echoey. I'm sure this is good news for my Darth Vader impression, but it's not much use if you're trying to do this kind of thing. So I do apologize for the echo. Let's just march on anyway, and we'll make the most of what we have, shall we? Anyway, folks, I'm going to tell you something. I have been living and breathing the web for 16 years. Can you believe it? 16 years. And one of the things I've noticed over the years is that whenever I meet someone who's really, really good at, you know, marketing, web marketing, whether it be SEO, social media stuff, AdWords, some kind of guerrilla marketing, video marketing, whatever, right? But whenever I meet people who are really good at this stuff, I mean the best, it's quite amazing, you know, because nine times out of ten, they seem to come from a technical background. I'm talking about a web development background. Uh, These sons of a guns, they figured out how to build web apps from the ground up, you know, they pretty much lived and breathed code. And then later on down the line, they started to kind of branch out and apply all of this stuff to marketing and they became really good. It's amazing uh, 
how the people who are really good seem to have kind of come from that background. They didn't just wake up one day and decide to become a you know some kind of internet marketing guru. Uh, so in any event, my next guest definitely falls into that category. He is a web development genius. He is the head honcho of Libertas Technologies, who are based over in Cincinnati. They build killer web apps and basically, you know, um, do all sorts of things to make businesses automated and all of that stuff. All of the kind of things that the rest of us should be doing, I guess. Um, he is an author, speaker. He, uh, you, do you know he is actually the resident IT guru for Fox TV? Are you paying attention? The resident IT guy for Fox TV. And you certainly don't get them in sweetie shops. Anyway, I'm very pleased to welcome to the show today my very special guest, David Hatter. So, hey Dave, how are you doing? I'm good, how are you? Excellent, thank you very much, excellent. And thank you so much for being here. Um, actually, can you believe it? You're the first guest I've had on for a month or two, so it's so nice to finally have a, a fantastic, genuine expert gracing us here. Um, anyway, what, what have you been up to lately, Dave? I'm curious, what's your focus been on? Well, well, first, let me say thanks for having me, and I think it's really cool that I'm coming to you all the way across the Atlantic here from the greater Cincinnati, Ohio area. I think, you know, it's incredible that we're able to even do something like this over the Skype. So, uh, again, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. The things we're up to as a business primarily are uh, we're a custom software development shop. We're generally working with businesses to build business applications and or websites and or mobile applications that help them save time and or make money. And, and a big part of what we're doing right now, what we're seeing in the marketplace, because despite the not-so-great economy over here in the United States right now, we've been really busy because we're finding that all kinds of businesses of all shapes and sizes, big businesses like Fortune 500 companies all the way down to little mom-and-pop shops, are very interested in how they can use automation and technology to help them save or make more money. And there's so much power in the Internet now that more and more people are trying to figure out how can they tap into that for their business, whether it's make money, save money, some combination of the two. We're finding that businesses are, are very interested in automation, they're very interested in mobile technology, they're very interested in how can they take business processes and push them out through their website to customers, vendors, partners, and really anything that helps them save or make money. We're, we're not having any trouble finding people willing to spend money if they can see a clear return on investment. Yeah, well, it's good to hear that, you know, because if you turn on the TV these days, you'd think that there was practically no economy. And the funny thing is, Dave, you know, um, I have a, a wee web development venture of my own. It's nothing on the scale you guys are doing. And I know a couple of other uh, web developers uh, and the, they are all telling me, it's really weird, you know, because when I stick on the news, it's all doom and gloom. But whenever I talk to developers, they seem to be having the best time ever, you know? Jeez, <laughs> no. uh, you do wonder. I guess there must just not be a recession on the web. I don't know. That's, that's definitely what we're seeing. We've been in the market looking to hire some uh, additional programmers. We currently have eight people, including me, and we're all technical folks. We're all programmers, even though 
I'm trying to back away from that role as a programmer, focus more on growing the business and running the business and doing the sales and that sort of stuff. And we've had a very difficult time finding programmers. The Cincinnati market is very tight. Statistics I've seen are the unemployment rate for programmers is about 3% in this market. It's low across the United States. Yeah, we, we talked about this offline briefly, and maybe we'll get to it a little bit. I'm a very avid LinkedIn user. I've got 3,700 first-degree connections. How many? You, Sorry, Dave. How many? 3,700. That, that is incredible. I was about oh. to say for a minute there, I thought you said 3,700. <laughs> Gee. Yeah, 3,700 plus and, and looking to grow it all the time. But one of the interesting things about LinkedIn and, and all of this, and trying to get back to my point about employment right now and, yep. and the interest here is I'm connected to a lot of recruiters. I'm connected to a lot of technology people. And if you were to just sit and watch the information that's flowing through LinkedIn for my connection, I would bet you there are 50 to 60 programmer jobs posted through my network every single day. We've been looking for a you know mid-level senior .NET developer. Uh, we'd like to get two probably for over six months and, and really are just having a very, very difficult time finding people. So um, this particular space in the market is very hot right now. I teach a class at a local college yeah. and some programming-related classes. And one of the things I tell students is, you know, programming is not for everybody, but if you stick with this, for the foreseeable future, you're going to have a great career path because these people are in high demand. They're good-paying jobs with benefits. Um, you know, it, it's a good place to be right now, at least in this particular area. Absolutely, you've certainly got that right. I mean, um, the, the funny thing is, you know, I uh, when, when I talk to people about these kind of things, like everyday people on the street, you get a lot of people saying, well, I don't know about computers and I'm not a computer person, but I suppose the, the nice thing about it is you don't have to be, you don't have to know how to install sound cards or networks or anything like that. You can kind of just pick your area and just become really, really good at one thing, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I I must admit, I, I do a lot of web development, possibly too much actually. Uh, <laughs> I've, I used to tell people I've been doing it for 16 years, but then I realized I've really been doing it for one year and I've just repeated the same year 16 times, you know? But Yeah, I know exactly how you feel. <laughs> story of my life. Anyway, how, how on earth, if you don't mind me ask, how on earth did you get up to 3,700 plus LinkedIn users? Well, that, that is a great question. I, like many folks, um, was a slow adopter of LinkedIn and all of this social media stuff. Probably in the late 2005 time frame, yep. I started invitations from people to join LinkedIn. I had no idea what it was. I had no idea what the value proposition was, so I probably ignored them. And then over time, as invitations kept coming in from people that I knew and trusted and respected, I said, well, there's got to be something to this. So I joined, and like many people, promptly did nothing. There was a lot of stuff. I didn't know what it meant. I didn't see a value proposition there, so I just kind of sat on it, and invitations would come in, and I'd accept them, but I really didn't do any, anything with it. And it was, was only over time when I finally found a, a reason to learn about LinkedIn that I started to understand the power of it. You know, we're strictly a business-to-business -business, business. Consumers do not hire us yep. for our service. Yep. You know, there are now, according to LinkedIn's own statistics, over 135 million business professionals who are on LinkedIn. Now think about that for a second. Where else could you go and tap into a pool of 135 million people 
who have opted in to use LinkedIn, mm. if they connect with you directly or you get connected to them through a group or something, mm -hmm. they've opted in. You know, it's essentially a giant permissions-based marketing system. And while your expectations for how much sales and marketing information you want to receive may vary widely from mine, that's the beautiful thing about opt-in. If you don't like what I'm doing, what I'm saying, how I'm behaving, you can opt out at any given time. So you've got this massive pool of people. Yeah. It's growing every day. There's over a million groups on LinkedIn now. Gee. Every conceivable thing you could imagine. College alumni groups. Yeah. Business alumni groups. It's just, you know, general interest groups. For example, I, I like bourbon. Being a Kentuckian, right, out south of Cincinnati, Ohio, I like bourbon. All right. But are you saying bourbon, like the drink? Yes, exactly. All right, bourbon. okay. There was no group on LinkedIn for bourbon. Okay. So I just created one, and it's got people literally from all over the world, and we just casually discussed bourbon. You know, I like this brand. Have you tried that? Jesus. <laughs> it, it's amazing the way you can find, you know, commonalities with people you'd never have access to otherwise. Again, there are people literally from all over the world in this bourbon group. And while it's, it's certainly not business related, you know, you're establishing a dialogue with other professionals yeah. who might be your next employer, your next partner, your next vendor. You can't really know. So, I mean, there's incredible power in this, and all of these people are putting all this information in about themselves. That, it, that, it, that is pretty mind-blowing. Sorry, I'm, I interrupted you there. No, that's okay. It, it's the, in my opinion, it is the single greatest business intelligence tool for people ever devised because you've got 135 million people all of whom are putting in varying degrees of information about themselves, places they work, where they went to school, yep. you know, have been in the military. And then they go on, many of them, not all of them, but many of them go on yep. and you know, talk about all kinds of things. They're sharing interesting and useful articles. They're talking about all kinds of stuff, things that you would never have access to from these mm. people otherwise. Mm -hmm. And it's just an incredible tool from a, from a sales prospecting standpoint. Yep. Think about it. You can go in and use the built-in search engine in LinkedIn, and and do a search, and you're going to get all of these people that show up for any terms you search on, like if you search on programmer, for example. Yeah. And then you can see who are you connected to that knows that person. Hmm. In many cases, it will be no one, but in many cases, as your network grows, it's going to be a ton of people. The the 3,700 first degree connections that I have on LinkedIn yep. allows me to see. 800,000 second degree connections, people who are connected to someone that I know. Ah, right, okay. Now think about that for a second. If you were going to make a sales call or if you were looking for a job and you were trying to talk to a certain company, let's say, and you could find people who are currently employed at that company and then you could see who you know that knows those people, how powerful would that be to you, whether you're trying to sell them something or you're trying to find a job? So would you, I mean, I guess you can actually approach the second degree people somehow. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> when they come up in a search, that's a great question. When they come up in a search, okay, if I go in right now and I were to search on programmers, let's say, yep. I may want to try and recruit some people this way. Yep. Okay, so I, I get a list of people who have the word programmer in their profile somewhere. Yep. And for each one of those individuals, if I have any second or third degree connections, it will show me who those people are. So at that point, I could step back and say, okay, I could use LinkedIn. And let's say that you and I were second degree connections uh, to a, a mutual, you know, we had a mutual connection. Yep. And I wanted to get to that person for whatever reason. And I saw that you were my mutual connection. Yep. I could, I could use LinkedIn 
and I could send you a message through LinkedIn and say, hey, David, could you help connect me to this person? Or I might just pick up the phone and Ooh. say, hey, I see you're connected to this person. What can you tell me about them? How well do you know them? Jeez, isn't it amazing how the best answers in life are the simple ones? <laughs> they are. And it's, I mean, a lot of, a lot of people seem to, to, to sort of glaze over when you start talking about this, but it's really just basic marketing 101. Aye, aye. And trying to make sure that, you know, you're not deluding people, you're not spamming people, you know, approaching this in a reasonable, professional way. Yep. And trying to provide value. What, what's worked well for me as a small business owner and I have real-world customers today who I met through LinkedIn. Gee, that is incredible. Can, can I tell you what, Dave, can I back up a second and ask you a wee bit about the profiles on LinkedIn? Because I have a couple of questions, and I think you might be the man to answer them. Um, there's, I mean, to put you in the picture, I am a complete LinkedIn novice, you know, so uh, I don't even know how many connections I've got, probably about three, you know. But anyway, well, we're going to fix that, David. Well, I, I do, I do hope so. I'm feeling optimistic right now. I have to tell you. Um, but one of the things I've noticed on LinkedIn is a thing which I shall call manager's dilemma. And here's okay. and here's how it goes. When I originally and for you know, I'm sorry for talking about me. It's just that I'm a kind of concrete example. And I think what I've done is typical of what tons of people are doing. They are all making the same mistake that I've been making, right? So when I went on it, I headed onto LinkedIn and I asked you for your job title. And I think I didn't want to say director or anything like that. So I put in something stupid like head honcho, you know, <laughs> it's just this ridiculous title, you know. Uh, and I put a wee profile up and then nothing happened, right? And then um, I noticed that a lot of the folks who I was observing on LinkedIn and who I knew, they were all putting job titles like director of such and such, you know, manager of blankety blank. And they weren't having much luck either. And then it occurred to me that when you think about it, there's not really much of a demand for directors and managers and head honchos, but there's a real big demand for .NET programmers and search engine optimization people and you know folks like that. So uh, I wonder if, would you recommend, for example, if for someone putting up a profile on LinkedIn, should they kind of put in the, the profile thing? Like, see, see the, I'm all over the place here. Uh, if you'll forgive me, a lot of the folks who listen to this show, they are directors and they're managers and they have their own companies and that kind of thing. But if they go on LinkedIn and say manager of blah, 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 owner of blah, 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 they might not get too much, I'm not sure. But on the other hand, if they put in programmer or web developer or whatever, they may get something. So I suppose what I'm trying to ask is, is do you think that people of that caliber should be kind of dumbing down their profiles a bit, if you'll allow the phrase? That is an excellent question. And I think I can I can tell you what works for me and, and how I think you need to think about it. You, you touched on something earlier with search engine optimization, and that's really the way you should think about your profile. First off, you know, LinkedIn is nothing more than a giant database with a bunch of web pages wrapped around it. And if you want LinkedIn to work for you effectively and help people find you, and in my case as a small business owner, 
that's a big part of it for me. I want to be as out there as possible. I want people to be able to find me and understand what services I offer. And hopefully, because of the way that I'm using LinkedIn and trying to be helpful to people and so forth, they'll eventually determine, hey, Dave seems like a reasonable guy. He seems like a smart, useful guy. If I needed services that he provides, I'd call Dave. Now, so I'm, I'm doing this in a number of different ways, but on the profile specifically, the first thing you have to understand is you've got to think from a search engine optimization standpoint. Who is your audience? What words would they be using to try to find people like you? And then you need to make sure that those words are sprinkled throughout your profile. If you were to pull up my profile on LinkedIn, you would see that I've entered every job I've ever had, and I've entered very extensive detail about each of those jobs. And if you know anything about programming, and particularly the kind of work we do, you would see the pattern of me reusing certain words and phrases over and over again ah. so that mm -hmm. people search for application developer, software engineer, programmer. I'm going to come up. Now, I'm going to come back to this in a second, but just to give you an idea, you know, LinkedIn will tell you some basic statistics, even if you're a non-paying subscriber, which I am. I have, I've never actually gone over the wall and, and paid to be a LinkedIn user, I'm still using the free version. Yep. But they'll give you some basic metrics about how often your profile is viewed. So I'm looking at my metrics right now online as we're speaking here. Uh -huh. and, and when I look at the trend, okay, mm -hmm. according to LinkedIn, since August 14th, my profile has shown up in a search 18,745 times. Wow. And then my profile has actually been viewed. Someone clicked through the search and viewed my profile 1,019 times in that same time frame. When, what, I'm sorry, Dave. What was the time frame again? Just let me get that down. Since August 14th to now. That's incredible. It is, it is incredible. Where else could I get that kind of exposure? Now, again, I have highly tweaked my profile, and I'm constantly working it. Yeah. If you get my profile on there, again, you'll see it is very lengthy. It's got all kinds of stuff in it, and I'm constantly tweaking at it, trying to figure out, based on the kind of metrics I'm seeing, how can I make sure, just like I would want my website to do, that I'm coming up as close to the top as possible. Yep. Now, I want to go back to something else you talked about, manager, director, different titles. If, if you pull up my profile and look at it, you'll see that when I, when I describe job titles that I've had you know, and held and so forth, and I've been self-employed for a long time, so I can call myself whatever I want. Yep. Um, I've gone with more traditional types of titles, things that if someone were to land on this profile or they were searching for someone that does what I do, I've used the kind of words and phrases that people would, would I think, traditionally use, like manager or director, you know, application development manager, that kind of thing, because I want people to find those words, and when someone is viewing my profile, I want them to understand the kind of job I had. But the other thing you can do to get around the problem you've described, because Personally, I don't think there's anything wrong with saying something like head honcho, although I do think it can have a negative search impact on you because people aren't going to be searching on these terms. Yeah, that's where for I, sure. Right. Where I think you can make that work for you and add a little levity in and make yourself seem more like a real person and less like a robot is through what LinkedIn calls the headline. As part of your profile, you have a headline, yep. and it, it's going to default to whatever your most recent title is, but you can edit that, and I strongly encourage people to modify their headline because it's one of the first, it's, it's almost like the title of a webpage. Someone does a search on LinkedIn, your name, your picture, and your title, I'm sorry, your headline is going to be one of the first things they see about you. 
Yep. So I went in and changed mine, and mine says entrepreneur, consultant, programmer, author, teacher, and speaker. I help businesses save and or make money. Jeez. And I, That's and some I even title. <laughs> I even do that sometimes. Yeah. But I'm, ho- I'm hoping that, again, I've got some keywords in it, and if I show up, hopefully that sounds a lot more compelling than programmer something boring like that which is what you're going to get if you don't tweak it yeah i can imagine you would get a lot higher caliber leads with that type type of title hopefully yeah i mean i i get a lot of views and as i mentioned i'm getting real world customers through linkedin people are finding me i i I hesitate to use this term but here locally in the greater cincinnati ohio area i probably have one of the larger networks out there i very actively work at linkedin both in my network and in various groups that i belong to where there are literally thousands of users there's a group on linkedin called link cincinnati and my guess is there's probably a link london i mean most major metropolitan areas will have a group like this yeah the link cincinnati group has over twenty one thousand people in it that's amazing you know it's funny over the past uh, couple of years Everyone has been focusing on Facebook and Twitter, and uh, it's only within the past month or so that LinkedIn has really came to my attention, and I'm beginning to feel like it's almost the, the silent assassin, you know, it's been hiding in the shadows, and now I think that people are finally starting to really get to grips with this, you know? Well, I think, you know, you, you make some good points, because obviously Facebook as a whole has a much larger network, and and I have found Facebook to be very effective for me, too, but in a different way than LinkedIn. I use them both. I use them both actively. But I, I have different goals for each one. With LinkedIn, because of the nature of my business, I need to find other business professionals. Yep. You know, I need to find owners. I need to find managers. I need to find IT director types who have a problem, have a budget, and want their problem solved. Mm-hmm. Because of the nature of my business, being B2B, I've got a giant pool of them all in LinkedIn, whereas with, with Facebook, there's 800 million people, but you know, it, it doesn't have the same kind of focus. I think if you're in a B2C space, or, you know, business to consumer, Facebook can easily be as effective or more effective than LinkedIn, depending on what you want to do. Aye. But if you're, looking, if you're looking to find employees, if you're looking to find partners, if you're looking to find customers, there is nothing more effective out there in LinkedIn, in my opinion, and I'm living proof of it. You know, this, I mentioned this Link Cincinnati group. Aye, aye. I'm one of the most frequent posters in that group, and this is not an exaggeration. I have literally gone to business networking events here in Cincinnati and had people come talk to me because they know me from LinkedIn. Oh, yeah, that's right. Jeez, that's okay. I've gone on sales calls where I've walked into a call and had the person on the other side of the desk say, how do I know you? And it's because I'm so active in these groups all the time, and I'm trying to find stuff that I can share in these groups that would be helpful to other business people. Not technology stuff, per se, but just I find an interesting article that I think you as a business person would like to see because it's going to help you save time, mm-hmm. make money, be more productive, whatever. And I share them throughout these groups, and I just get an enormous amount of positive feedback from them. Mm-hmm. And, and there's no reason why any business person can't use a similar tactic like this to, to, to build their network, provide value out there, and I am living proof that it will eventually come back to you if you work at it. Like that. That's amazing. I'm curious though, Dave, did, is this something that you figured out? I'm guessing you figured this out by yourself because there's, there's not much literature or anything on LinkedIn. Have I got that right? Um, yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right. Everything that I know about LinkedIn has sort of come from dumb luck and brute force. Yeah. Um, 
you know, as my network has grown, I've connected with a lot of people, and I see people doing certain things and think, hey, that seems like a good idea. I should adopt that. For example, um, if I have a customer who puts out a press release about some good thing that they're doing or whatever it might be, okay? Yeah. And, of course, I'm going to share that with my network. It's good for me. It's good for the customer. How can I lose? And, you know, they're getting extra free exposure for the good things they're doing out of it. Yep. I'm involved with some local charitable organization. If they have an event or they're trying to raise money or whatever, I'll share that with my network. It gives them new eyeballs on their mission, you know, new impressions yep. on whatever they're doing with people that probably wouldn't know about them otherwise. And frankly, although this kind of sounds funny when you say it, but it's a synergistic thing. I'm helping them. And in a roundabout way, they're helping me because there'll be some people that will say, oh, I didn't know Dave was working with this charity, and that's a good charity. He must be a good guy. Yeah. Well, that's the, that's the way the universe works, you know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and there's so many different ways I... to this thing and use it and, and not only help yourself but help other people as well. You know, it's a synergistic kind of thing. Do you think, Dave, that the, the best way – I mean, I'm – I'm curious about this 3,700 number. Do you think that groups, starting groups, is the best way of building up the numbers? Or did you manage to do that just by, I don't know. I mean, I know that you've, I know that you're well known in the industry. I, 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 you've actually had a few TV appearances and whatnot, so that couldn't have done any harm. <laughs> That's a great question. And I'll tell you, for me, it's been a combination of things. Yep. Um, I'm, I'm very active in the business community here, so I go to a lot of events, and I've done a lot of seminars on this, yep. uh, out LinkedIn and social media in general, and so that leads to a lot of connections, but a lot of them also have come from participation in these groups. Now, I have, LinkedIn will let you create as many as 10 groups. You become the owner of the group that you created, and you can dictate what's acceptable, you can join it, all that sort of thing, and you can belong to as many as 50 groups. Yep. Okay. So I have created some groups, uh, and that, that has worked well. I've joined a lot of other groups. I've pretty much maxed out on both the number of groups that I own as well as the number of groups I belong to. Ah. And I end up with a lot of connections or people requesting to connect with me simply because I've done a seminar on it or I'm, a, I'm active in these groups. It leads to a discussion. Next thing you know, they want to connect. Then they tell someone, hey, Dave's network is really big. You should join Dave's network. And and I am basically, even though I don't advertise it, what is known as a lion, a LinkedIn open network. If you use LinkedIn, you will see people who sometimes with their profile information will say lion, L-I-O-N. Yeah. Which means LinkedIn open network. And basically what they're saying when they tell you that is they'll accept a connection from anyone on LinkedIn. And, and that's pretty much me. Anyone that's in, so anyone that listens to this interview, look me up on LinkedIn, I'll be happy to connect with you. Yeah. Um, because the bigger my network gets, the better for me, the better for the rest of my connections. You know, as, as those second-degree connections grow from 800,000 to hopefully a million to hopefully millions of people, yep. it just makes my network that much more powerful and helps everyone that I'm connected to. So yeah. the only connections I don't accept are when I can't see how I would ever be able to help the person or vice versa. I even accept connections from comp competitors. Jeez, well, that's that's certainly a new school of thought. Um, well, here's the thing. I want, really want to touch on that because I get a lot of questions about that. You know, should I accept connections from competitors? Should I just connect with anyone? Yeah. I look at it like this. If you can steal my customers just because you can see them on LinkedIn, I'm not doing a very good job. Yeah. And it's always opt-in. 
If I don't like what you're doing, if I think you're trying to steal my customers, I can opt out at any time. So, and, and there have been times where people who start out as competitors, maybe, maybe they have a person I could use. I've got more work than I can handle. Next thing you know, now we have a partnership or vice versa. Maybe I have skills they need that their team doesn't have. I mean, you just can't predict how this stuff will work out mm -hmm. as long as you're dealing with a reasonable, reputable, honest people. Mm -hmm. And it's, all I know is as my network grows, good things just keep happening as a result. And are these people finding the groups just by doing a search within LinkedIn, I, I take it? So searching for bourbon or something like that? Good question. Excellent question, actually. There's a couple different ways you can find groups. One is, if you open up someone's profile, yep. it will show you the groups they belong to. Some of the groups that I belong to are because people I'm connected to joined a group and I said, hey, that looks like a group I should get involved in. If you look at your wall on LinkedIn, they don't call it that, but I think for most people who are familiar with Facebook, they'll understand what I mean. You know, when you log into LinkedIn and you land on your home page, you have this wall-like feature that's like Facebook where you're seeing all this information that's coming from your connection. It's showing you, you know, David connected with Cindy Lou Who and, you know, John Galt connected to Fred Smith or whatever. Mm -hmm. It will show you when your connections join a group. So some of the groups I belong to, I either saw on their profile or through my wall, it showed me that someone connect, joined a group and I said, I need to get in that group. It's also possible um, to search for groups. LinkedIn has a very powerful search engine for people, for really any of the content in LinkedIn. Yeah. And if you just look at the top of the screen up there where the menu is, you can see a pull down yep. uh, menu bar and you can say groups mm -hmm. and then you can just type in any term. For example, yep. if I type in Cincinnati, I'll, there's over a thousand groups related to Cincinnati, Ohio. Jeez, oh. So that's a very powerful and simple way to find groups. And you, you, know, you can, sorry, Dave, I keep interrupting. You, you can join as many groups as you want. Is that right? You can belong to a maximum of 50 groups. I'm hoping LinkedIn will eventually change that, but right now the limit is 50. Right, okay. And to create them, it's 10. I'm sorry I keep interrupting you, man. I'm, just, okay. I'm going off on one here. I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying this content, you know. And, yeah. I'm, I'm sure you're thinking of the kinds of things that regular people who aren't familiar with LinkedIn are thinking of. So yeah, yeah. interrupt me. Thank you. Thank you. Um, one of the things that is a really silly question, um, I can see the benefits of starting your own group. Those benefits are clear. I mean, I presume that you can contact everyone in your group. Um, I'm not sure if it will be an email, but within the LinkedIn system. I'm not entirely sure if I can see a direct benefit from joining groups. Uh, I can explain that. Yeah. There's three direct benefits you can get from joining a group. Yeah. First off, you are essentially branding yourself to a certain degree by joining a group. Let's say, for example, that you went to a very prestigious college. Yep. Okay? So if they have an alumni group, and virtually every college does now, you join the alumni group, it's going to show their logo on your profile. It's going to announce that you are an alumni of that college. Now, you would put that in your education part of your profile anyway, probably. But it's one more way because, you know, most people, especially if it's a very prestigious uh, organization, they're going to recognize that logo. They're going to see that image. They're going to associate you with that particular. So here in the United States, Massachusetts Institute of Technology is one of the most prestigious universities in the United States. Yep. If you went there, you'd be crazy not to want people to know that because right off the bat, it's going to put you at a higher level than most people. Aha, uh -huh, right, okay. That's 
one thing. You're branding yourself as a member of that group. Yeah. Okay? Secondarily, then, you're creating networking opportunities for yourself within the group because in, in certain types of groups, let's, again, let's just go back to college alumni for a second. If you went to the same college as someone else, at least it's been my experience that people want to network with and are more likely to help someone if they went to the same school, even if they don't know them. And, and you know, I'm, I know certain people who've gone to very prestigious universities like Harvard or like the West, you know, the Army Military Academy at West Point. Yep. And once you're in that kind of network, I mean, you know, th those people help each other out. Mm -hmm. Just by being a member of that network, mm -hmm. you, you, know, you have certain advantages you would not get otherwise. So you now, once you join the group, have access to all of the other members in the group. And third, and, and then probably the most important of all, is you're going to be exposed to, depending on the size of the group, to potentially hundreds of thousands, tens of thousands of people who you would never know through your own network. So if I go back to Link Cincinnati for a second, yep. there's 21,000 plus people in there. The group is growing every single day. Yep. So every time I find an article that I think would be helpful to other business professionals, I go to the Link Cincinnati group, I post it in there, and there's my name, my ugly mug, my <laughs> company, and hopefully some useful, helpful information it's being exposed to 21,000 people. Now, sure, not all of them are going to see it. Not all of them are going to read it. But just through repetition, I'm constantly showing up out there. That is, uh, that is amazing. That's actually, I think, the best selling point I've heard tonight of the whole LinkedIn system. I know we're not selling anything, but that that's awesome. It's incredibly powerful because, again, you can, you can use it to help people find you by filling your profile out completely and letting the search engine do its work. Yep. And then... You know, proactively go out and find people and share information and be helpful. And trust me, again, I'm telling you from my own personal experience, it pays off. Does, because people want to connect with you. Yeah. They want to get. Does Does that mean that, like, for example, could uh, I'll use selfish me as an example? Could I go to some kind of internet marketing group, find a massive group, join it, and then post on the wall? hey, check out this interview with Dave Hatter and basically get people from there coming here. Absolutely. Let me give you two actual concrete examples where I can prove that works. And I can tell you, when you post this article or this interview, I will blast it all over all of my Facebook and Instagram <laughs> because, of course, I want as many people to hear it as possible because I think we're, we're putting some useful information out. Absolutely. Here's two concrete examples where I can prove this works. We recently won an award from the Northern Kentucky Chamber of Commerce. Yep. They, took, they did a video of each one of the winners, and at the ceremony, they showed these videos, and then they put these videos out on YouTube and very smartly created a contest. So for the 30 people who won this award, they said, whoever's video gets the most views, they, they had a week-long period and said, whoever's video gets the most views, you win a free ad in our Chamber of Commerce paper. Yep. So I said, Okay, I'm going to win this thing because I want to prove the power of social media. Yeah. You know, I, I beat this drum all the time to the other board members. I'm on the board there, and I'm trying to get them to engage in this stuff, to get out the word about what the Chamber of Commerce is doing. Yep. I talk about this all the time because I'm going to prove it. So for a week, every day on LinkedIn, every day on Facebook, every day on Twitter, once a day, I would say, hey, help me prove the power of social media. Go watch my video. 
whoever video gets the most views wins an ad, and I'm going to donate the ad to a local charity. So I'm promoting my local charity. I'm promoting the Chamber of Commerce. I'm in a roundabout way promoting myself, of course. Mm -hmm. Well, in less than a week, we had 409 people watch this video. Mm -hmm. We won the contest. I also posted it in a bunch of groups on LinkedIn. Yeah. So I managed to get 400 people to go watch this thing simply by putting this message out in social media. Was that so we, sorry, Dave? Was that video hosted on YouTube? It is on YouTube. Right. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Just curious. So, so we we got the most views by more than 50, I might add. Yeah. And so there's one example where it works. But the second the second example I can give you where this kind of thing works. Okay. Yep. If I have a YouTube channel of my own, you mentioned some TV. I, I've I've been a, a regular contributor, if you will, to a local TV station here for a long, long time. We talk about technology and the kind of stuff we're talking about here. Uh -huh. So about, about three years ago, when I when I got the equipment to easily DVR myself on TV, I'd take the videos and post them out there on YouTube every time I did an interview. I've got about, I don't know, 60, 70 videos out there. Well, my YouTube channels had almost 6,000 views. It's all coming from social media because every time I do an interview, I'm going to do an interview next Tuesday on this local TV station. Yeah. Come home that night, throw it out on YouTube, and then I'll promote the heck out of it for the next four or five days because, again, hopefully I'm putting out information that's helpful to people. It's not, not necessarily just me trying to toot my own horn. I'm hopefully giving people useful information that's going to make their life better somehow. Mm -hmm. And all of the views are coming from LinkedIn and Facebook and me putting the word out through these channels. So this definitely can work. That's pretty amazing. Let me just ask you a couple of uh, kind of slightly technical questions that I'm curious about. And obviously, you know, I, I know that none of us are employed by LinkedIn or anything. So there are there is no shame if you happen to not know the answers to any of these. Um, but I'm just curious, as, as far as the open posting thing goes, is that not very much open to spam? I mean, what's to stop all sorts of people coming on and just posting any old rubbish on there? Uh, that is a great question. Yep. And you are absolutely correct about that. Uh, the only thing that stops it, okay, that this, when you when you create a group on LinkedIn, okay, yep. you can determine is it an open or closed group. And all that really means is if it's an open group, anyone can join it without having to ask to join. With a closed group, group administrator or administrator, namely the person that created it and anyone they want to make an administrator, can dictate whether you can join or not. So, my bourbon group, for example, it, it I don't care who joins it, but I'm in charge of it, and if people are just spamming it with a bunch of useless crap, A, I'll hear from the other members of the group who don't want to see that, and B, I will contact the person doing it and say, stop, or I'm going to throw you out. I see. And I and I have thrown some people out of there. And I've been in other groups where basically, like the Link Cincinnati group, the, the woman who is in control of it, as long as you're not doing anything offensive or just completely, totally useless spam, yep. she'll pretty much post anything you want in there. I see, other, yeah. other groups are much more stringent. And it really all boils down to whoever's in charge of the group and what they consider allowable. Yeah, okay. So... Uh, if we were to give a comparison, like I, I know that you're a, a developer, you'll be familiar with the, the the online discussion forums. You know which developer hasn't 
hung out in one of them for an afternoon or two. And you'll know that a lot of the uh, web development forums are really, really picky on spamming and anything out of line. And, you know, they can be very strict. Would you say that LinkedIn is generally more laid back than in those types of places? It really, honestly, depends, David, on the group itself. Yep. Uh, I belong to some groups where you do get some spam because the group owners uh, are very uh, lackadaisical about the kind of content that's being posted in there. And there are other groups, like the International Association of Software Architects. Yep. They have extremely stringent rules. And if you violate them, they will boot you out in a second. I see. So, really entirely up to the group's owners to determine what is acceptable in the confines of that group. I see. But is it safe to say that if someone goes to your bub and say, I'm not suggesting anyone should do this, of course, but if someone was to go and just post something, that post would go live and then, I mean, it's not like that has to run, go through you first, right? That is another excellent question. And originally in groups, that is how they work, but about a year or so ago, maybe a little more, yep. LinkedIn changed the model around, and as an administrator of a group, you can dictate whether the group has moderation or not. So if you turn that feature on as an administrator, then it will basically allow you to post to the group, and then an administrator will have to basically review it and say, yeah, that's okay, or no, I'm not going to allow that to go live. So there see. is a way yep. to stop that sort of thing from happening. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's cool. I mean, on a positive note, it's not as if any any one of us or anyone listening to this show would do anything, uh, you know, negative or post anything too spammy, I'm sure. Uh, I'm just trying to get the lay of the land, you know, because it's hard to get this information. Um, it's a good question. And, and the one thing I would also add is for people who do tend to do the spammy kind of stuff, it ultimately backfires on I've literally seen people get shredded in these things for posting completely spammy stuff. In <laughs> uh, a lot of cases, you know, it's in your own best interest not to do that sort of thing and to really focus on how can I provide value? Uh, you know, what can I put in this group where it's going to help the other members of the group? Yep, yep. I see what you're saying. The old cocktail party analogy. Uh, I guess, I guess it sounds a, a wee bit like that applies here. You know. You've heard people saying that, you know, with Facebook marketing and whatnot, there's a lot of people been uh, writing and doing seminars and whatnot, saying treat it like treat it like a cocktail party, you know. So you don't try and sell, you try and you know communicate and mingle and all of that stuff. That's what I've been reading anyway. What do I know? Um, well. That's what I'm doing, and I can tell you it's working well for me. That's fantastic. Just one other technical question, and it's a very boring one, and again, if you don't know, it's perfectly okay. But you know how the you were talking about the headline, uh, and I, I happen to think the headline, I agree, it will it, be one of the first things people see, and it's important, and all of that stuff. Do you think that the headline has an effect on SEO? I mean, we know that the job title and all that does, but the headline you've got, for example, um, and it ended, I think, with you were saying it was something like you help businesses to save money or something like that. Does that affect the kind of SEO within LinkedIn? It definitely does. That's, you know, one of the fields that gets searched on when someone searches. So it, for me, I've tried to sort of trade off 
SEO versus something that would be compelling for someone to read there. And I've, I've worried more about getting the other keywords I want someone to find me with elsewhere in my profile. You know, I only used the term programmer there once. I didn't say developer or any of that other stuff because you're, you're limited in how much text you can put in that headline. Yep. And it needs to be something that's going to be human readable and compelling. Uh, so, you know, it, you should be thinking of it from a search engine optimization standpoint yep. from a LinkedIn perspective. But also, again, I, I tried to say, you know, I can use these words throughout my profile elsewhere. If I am found, I want it to be hopefully compelling so someone is going to want to open up my profile. Yeah, yeah, okay. And do you recommend uh, having a sort of broad focus or do you think you should really narrow the focus? For example, would you endorse having a profile that said something like web developer or a profile that said something like PHP Zend programmer or something like that, like really specific? That is an excellent question, and I think you should do both. And if you look at my profile, you'll see that I have done that very thing. Right. What I, I have tried to do to answer that specific question is in the title of my job, whatever it is, yep. I would say something like web developer. And then in the body where I'm going to describe what I did on that job, then I would say, you know, PHP, then programmer, Cage Framework, MySQL, yeah. or, or whatever. So I'm, I'm giving it the more broad-based thing in the title, and then in the body where I'm describing the things that I did at the job, I'm going into that kind of specific detail. There's, there's another thing that LinkedIn has recently introduced, which is a way for you to basically put in specialties and so forth. Yep. So... In addition to what you might type in for any particular job, you can also get those kind of things in there another time in a legitimate kind of way. So there's there's all kinds of different things you can do in LinkedIn to try to make sure that you are as searchable as possible. Jeez, well, this has certainly opened my eyes. Uh, I, I was telling you, of course, just before we came on that I... Uh, checked out a LinkedIn webinar a couple of weeks ago and it was good you know I enjoyed it and uh, I enjoy webinars that some of them are good some of them aren't but you know they're always uh, good entertainment um, but I can honestly tell you that the, the, the content you've given here just in the half hour or whatever we've been talking it certainly blows away what I was hearing during that webinar uh, which was probably a couple of hours long a couple of weeks ago. Have you ever thought about actually doing the whole webinar seminar thing and and, and teaching this stuff? Because, you know, there, there aren't many people, as far as I can tell, who have really figured this out yet. Well, that's a good question. Actually, I have thought about it. I've done a lot of live seminars here for various local chambers of commerce and that kind of thing. I have thought about trying to do some sort of video series, and I'm actually seriously considering doing a book on this. So... I, I put some thought into it, but it's one of those things where, you know, it kind of conflicts with what I'm trying to do everyday business-wise, and I've just got to figure out a way to find the time to do it all. Aye, aye. Well, the, I, you'll know yourself, the ebook scene seems to be doing particularly well these days. Um, of course, one challenge is, as you know, uh, the going rate for ebooks these days is a few dollars, but as far as I can tell, the you know those webinars and online courses, geez, they're selling for four figures. Some of them, you know. Uh, yeah, I've given it some serious consideration, and I'm at some point in the not too distant future, I may see what I can come up with there because I've got all the content. It's just a matter of of 
taken the time to organize it in a way that it would be workable. Well, I tell you what, if you do anything at all on that front or anything on this front in general, just let me know. I'll be glad to get you on uh, this on here again, of course. I'll be glad to even put an advert on, you know, because I like people who give good things out free of charge and I believe that things come back and I'm a bit of a hippie that way. So if anything does happen on that front, uh, please come back, let us know. We'll get you a nice banner ad on the site and all of that and I'll probably end up joining it myself because I think this is absolutely fantastic and I know that this is difficult information to get a hold of. Yeah, well, I, I appreciate you having me on and, and I'd be happy to come on again at some point in the future and if you want to send me a, a link when you get this thing up, I will definitely promote the program and the interview. And uh, if you can't drive some traffic your way, and finally, you got you got to send me an invitation. We'll get connected up here on LinkedIn. Yes, I most certainly shall do that, Dave. I'll, I, absolutely, and I appreciate that. Thanks a lot. You know, this here. Have a listen. This is the sound of pages of questions that I had to ask, and they were all to do with the economy and, and the state of internet marketing and all sorts of things, and I never quite had a chance to get round to any of it because the LinkedIn stuff is really, I guess, the headline grabber tonight. But I do hope, I do hope that I can uh, drag you back sometime, and maybe we can uh, catch up and you know, talk about something else within the crazy realms of the internet marketing world, you know? Yeah, that'd be great. I'd love it. All right. Well, thank you very much indeed, Dave. I'll uh, I'll give you a shout when this goes live. I apologize in advance, Dave, if the sound quality isn't great. Yep. You know, we're, I guess the multi-million pound studio isn't quite ready yet. So... It <laughs> <laughs> no, sounds fine to me. And again, I, I appreciate you having me. I'd be happy to to chat with you anytime. Okay, well, thank you very much indeed, Dave. I'll see you soon. Thanks a lot. All right, thank Bye. you. Bye-bye. Internet Marketing Talk Radio. Bet you never heard that before. Well, there you have it, folks. And wasn't that just fantastic? In fact, wasn't that just fantastic, Ola? As far as actionable content goes, I really don't think it gets much better than that. My thanks go, of course, to David Hatter for that. I do hope we can get him back. I thought he was very cool, and he clearly knows his stuff. Thank you, of course, for listening. Before I go, folks, can I just draw your attention to a couple of things on the site? First of all, I've just added a new section to the website called Archives. Please do check it out because it's very, very cool. Uh, of course, you'll be able to check out the old shows, but what's really cool about it is they're all categorised in terms of what topics are covered. So, for example, today's show was all about LinkedIn. So if you want to find out about LinkedIn, you can head to that and you'll see it in that category. You can check out the show. Uh, whatever you want to find out about, you should be able to find it in those categories. And I'm very excited about that. So please do check out the archive section. Uh, lastly, if you haven't already done so, may I invite you to check out and join the Insider Club. Folks, there is an Insider Club at the website dcradionetwork.com. It's not some crummy thing where you sign up and get plagued with sales emails or something or pitches. Folks, I've never sent a sales email in the history of my life. 
The Insider Club is pretty much what it says on the tin. It's my attempt to establish a group of insiders, people who are interested in the web, interested in finding out how to earn a living through the web, hopefully an automated one. And um, it's really my my attempt to try and set up a network of like-minded people who can kind of help each other out and things like that. If you do join up, you uh, very soon have access to all sorts of information which is not on the actual public show which you're listening to just now. So I do recommend the Insider Club. Like I say, no sales spiels, no product launches or anything. It's going to be just good information if you do join. Uh, Thank you very much. Oh yeah, and it's free as well. Everything's here is free. Free, free, free. So thanks once again to David Hatter. Thanks to you for listening. And thanks to the universe for holding itself together. For one moment there, I thought it was all going to explode. Thank you very much. And I'll see you at the next Grand Bash.